Hi everyone and welcome to the Who Art Thou podcast. I'm your host Barra and today I'll be joined by Brian of the band Worn Out. Brian plays bass in the band and we'll be chatting about uh, music, obviously, and uh, the band's new EP, uh, Waste, uh, which came out in December of 2021, the Irish music scene and a bunch of other random bits that are usually chucked in as well with these type of interviews. Uh, I really had a fantastic time chatting with Brian. It was great fun. Um, I love this band as well. Uh, the new EP, Waste, honestly can't recommend it enough. It's a fantastic EP. I love what the lads have put together with it. And uh, just has me look more looking forward to the Dublin show in March, which I think will be on in Fibbers. And uh, yeah, so without further ado, let's start the show with the theme music by Zach Stevenson. But anyway, uh, this is Brian from uh, Worn Out. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, man. It's much appreciated. Uh, I'm delighted to have you. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. I was a big, big fan. Uh, I was listening to you guys before, but then when the EP came out, I was saying only, I was only downstairs chatting with my mum, but I was like uh, saying that uh, it was the first time that I listened to an EP or an album and just straight away I was like, I'm buying this. I fucking love, I thought Waste was an incredible EP. Just had to get it straight away. <laughs> thank <you>. But... <laughs> Well, uh, well, Scott's last, yeah. <laughs> <What's>, <laughs> he was shamed. Well, say like uh, we'll get the, so. I'll say the first question would be like, uh, what were the early influences that would have led into the music that you were that you play now? Like uh, when starting off, it's an interesting one. Like I suppose I can barely even take credit for. It's strange. Like you do fall just fall into musical genres. Mm. Like say I can speak for myself. Like I've always had an interest in like heavy music. Like. I grew up in the middle of like rural Ireland and Leash where, you know, you had to go to a good few towns over to even find metal yeah. and you pretty much had to buy the Metal Hammer or Crime magazines or Rock Sound, you'd get the free sampler CDs. Yeah, yeah I remember um, that as well. Yeah. During like the new metal era. Yeah, and there were very few outlets for it. Um, but I suppose for Worn Out's perspective, um, like they all come from varying backgrounds. Like, the band would have started because our singer Xander um, so he'd been looking to start a band with our original guitarist, Isaac, and um, they just started jamming with Evan, our drummer. Um, I was in another band with him that wasn't quite as heavy at the time, um, and that was kind of in the process of splitting up, I suppose. Okay. So I just jumped in and started jamming with them. Um, so pretty organic, just three guys in a room. Um, Isaac, the original guitarist, left, and Alex um, Heinrich joined. He's been touring for a good few years. He's from Germany. Okay. So he's probably, I suppose, the most experienced in that way in the band. Um, but yeah, he'd just kind of slotted in pretty seamlessly and waste pretty much even like the influence side of it. Um, varied influences, like we have a bit of an overlap in hardcore, but even the styles of hardcore we're into, we can't agree on. Like <laughs> I'm more post-hardcore and Jesus Wizard, early 90s. Um, Alex is more aligned with me. He's into his experimental yeah. stuff and sludge. And then, you know, Evan and Xander just... You know, like anything hard hitting, basically. Okay. Yeah. Um, a lot, lot more modern stuff. 
Yeah. And like, uh, so when when like uh, within the band did you start doing like your first live shows and stuff? And how how did they go about the first ones? Uh, so we did things a bit differently with this band. Just um, we recorded the first before we first played a gig, um, which we hadn't done before. I think it was just happenstance. I think we were just really dying to get into the studio. Um, so yeah. when we had about two or three tunes ready we kind of just said you know we'll just book it and uh, went in and our first single then came out a month before our first gig um that was four years okay. ago to the day last week apparently in a student center so it was like exams going on next door while we were sound checking people screaming <laughs> um, that was it. you know and that's just the most irish thing but yeah it's it's a diy scene around here so you just take whatever gigs you can get. At the time, Baylor, um, like they were starting to kind of like build a name for themselves. They put us on a gig with them and it was Godmother. Um, really, really amazing band, like worth checking out. They were, I think they were signed to Party oh, Smash. Godmother. Like, label. Yeah. Godmother were the headline act, were they? Were they headline? Yeah, I'm sure they were headlining. Yeah. It's a bit oh, hazy I now. Love yeah, that band. Bit, yeah. Yeah, I love them. Brilliant They're band, a f- fantastic band. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Not very yeah. well known, actually. Yeah, like you think they'd be, you know, uh, the, the, they just seem kind of underrated to me. They're a fantastic band, though. Yeah. Um, the, it's the album with the, the molten lab on for the front of it was one of their yeah, ones, I think. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, that yeah. Was, yeah. That was a brilliant album. Were, yeah, they were promoting that one around the time. And yeah, even as a live prospect, you can kind of see where Party Smasher took an interest. Like just a lot of yeah. us suppose <laughs> what people like about Daughter's live kind of energy, um, you know. Okay. Properly chaotic, like yeah. Um, and yeah, then just yeah, very in your face, intense stuff. Exactly, yeah. Uh, it's kind of almost set a, a benchmark. I think a Lenkist one that bill as well. Actually, <laughs> can think of it. Um, really, really amazing oh, wow. Irish band. Uh, not gigging as much at the moment, but influential, I suppose. Um, and yeah, we just took whatever gigs we could really for a good while. Like say, Evan, our drummer is kind of interested in bookings and promotions, so we just kind of threw the net out and said, "Where can we play?" In Ireland, there's not a huge amount of places to play, so we just kind of take the book yeah. wherever we come. And we've had, like, realistically, a lot of people help us out a lot along the way. Like the Siege Limerick guys, you know, bad reputation and all of that have always been very good to us. And Yeah. You know, just, yeah. Siege Limerick looks like an amazing festival play. I've never got the chance to go up now, but it just looks like the, the uh, just everybody just seems like they're having an absolutely crazy good time at it. Have you yeah, you've played it, it once, is it, or twice? I think we played three, if not four. Oh, really? Three, oh. To be conservative, yeah. Um, yeah, just the usual thing. You might have missed, like, say, people would miss us maybe the first time because you play a bit earlier on, say, the Casbah. And then, you know, yeah. like, we haven't, I think the last one we played was 2019, thereabouts. Um, amazing gigs, like, to play, just really receptive crowds. And just, it's like Metalhead Christmas. I mean, you can kind of just... <laughs> If you're not into the boom band in one room, you can go into the hardcore band in another room or vice versa. You know, there's always something to impress people. Yeah. So, yeah. And the guys that run it have always run a tight ship. It's at the point now where, like, it, they seriously put their backs out to run it, but you never hear of any issues, really, because they're running it so well, you know? Yeah, no, I've literally never heard a negative thing about Siege Limerick. That's just, it's just meant to be just a fantastic, fantastic festival to go to with an amazing lineup. Yeah. Um, but I guess we'll start talking about the EP. So I know I didn't. I was only I was reading about today that um you actually wrote this pre lockdown, so you've been yeah. sitting on it. Uh, like you couldn't release it, obviously. Um, what was it like to finally get it out there in front of everybody? <laughs> sitting on it like hens incubating eggs. Yeah. Um, it was. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose it's an interesting experience because 
like we wrote it and we had everything kind of full go to the point it's kind of you're making snap decisions and you're doubting yourself and it's very easy sometimes about even kind of like you don't know if it's good or not you know it's kind of like you're just kind of making what feels right at the moment and what you kind of make the consensus in the band but it was a strange one like say over lockdown we were sat on it and it was pretty much just costing us money and time and attention you're looking at say vinyl pressing and the band starts to feel like a business um but the strange thing is coming out of it say we're actually more confident in it than ever just because we had time to sit with it um you get to a point where you're really just sick of it you're really thinking like we'll just release (laughs) it tomorrow we don't care anymore um you know it came out and we're still happy with it and that's that's the main thing you know yeah the uh the reception seems to be fantastic for it like i personally loved it and then i saw that video today of the um was hardcore what's hardcore keem i think his name was just going mad to it the american lad (laughs) uh, um i'd never heard of him before myself and the thing is then like so many people i knew were like obviously followers of his and to, to them that was a bigger deal than anything we could do with the ep that was like we we made it <laughs> was it the thing i was the same like i i would listen to like quite a bit of hard love heavy metal listen quite a bit of hardcore and uh i've never heard of this guy before in my life and then i go went in it was like was it like three hundred thousand uh followers or something on facebook if not more i just bopping away yeah. to the tune it was great to see yeah <laughs> i mean Makes the scene more like just more interesting places having those like you know yeah I've of course really, it does yeah like I've never even really thought about the idea of like just proper full bore like hardcore reaction videos like you know but uh you know where's the next level with now do you kind of like to start smashing up things with sledgehammers you know where do we go where's the logical <laughs> question is start putting exactly, yeah. away <laughs> wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But uh, so like um, when going into recording this, uh, like was there an idea thematically uh, in terms of like lyricism and stuff or did it just kind of come together organically? Uh, like what was kind of the idea going in to record? Um, I suppose Xander is the best man to talk to, like, I suppose thematically, like say we leave him essentially full creative control. Sometimes he'll tell us he came up with something in the room. Sometimes he might have been sitting on lyrics for a good while and they might have even been for another song for all we know. I actually don't ask him enough mm. questions about it, really. It's uh, only when we <laughs> only when we went to, I suppose, putting together the liner notes for the, the EP and, you know, actually seeing the, yeah. the vocals, like, oh, that's what that was. And he's pretty clear in his diction for a guy that's screaming, but it's just, you know, if it sounds right and if it seems heavy and aggressive, that's as far as I look into it personally. Um, yeah. But mostly, thematically, it's, it's, you know, kind of personal themes about, I suppose, like kind of isolation and kind of... Um, you know, frustration and, you know, just tired core themes, really. Um, I suppose they probably resonate with people a lot more now since we sat in the EP till after lockdown. So now he seems kind of prophetic, uh, prophetic almost. Um, yeah. As regards, I suppose... I was going to say that my... Oh, sorry. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, the damn delay. <laughs> no, sorry. I was just going to say, um, like, what the things that, like, because it's ferociously aggressive, which is, you know, what I, what I like. And then, but also, like, lyrically, I was like, this album weirdly resonates with me on a kind of like because i'm just stuck in my room all day on my laptop like just lose my mind and then it's just like it's funny that it was written you know way like well, like before and even uh well i know one of the music videos was done in isolation was it the the, the waste no not waste music video the uh, miles away music video was, away. was done in isolation yeah yeah but it's just um, funny how that just happens like 
probably the most Zoom process ever, all right? Like even just any meetings we had as a band beforehand to work out, I suppose, how much we had to spend and who to go to was all yeah. done through Zoom. And then we met, um, say, Doc, Connor Dockery, really, really cool guy. He's into Scratch as well. And he was in a few bands, like, say, Red Enemy beforehand. Oh, no um, amazing hardcore band from like a few years back. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we just approached him. He seemed the right guy for it. Uh, we liked his previous videos and just, you know, he's kind of adjacent to the scene anyway. But every bit of planning was done through Zoom videos. Like, we pretty much left him carte blanche, whatever. Like, he could get away with it because lockdown is very restrictive. He had a few ideas. Um, and we just basically gave him a few shots, I suppose, that we'd like to see. And if you get most of them in, you're happy. So some stuff like that. Nothing in it relating to the lyrics, but like the teeth brushing with blood. For some reason, we <laughs> thought that was important or worth bringing up. Nothing in the lyrics supporting it. I don't know why we said it, but he got it in. It looked all right. It did strike, it strike out quite a the because I was watching it with my friend. He goes, uh, like, just the second that came, he was, oh, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> we found it afterwards, our guitarist, uh, Alex hates those scenes as well. So it's like, all right, <laughs> but at least it's for the tiger day. Can't watch your own music video. <laughs> Yeah. Um. And then, so, so, like, musically, like, uh, like, where when you come in, like, what was uh thematically for you would be the music, uh, for the EP. So I suppose the word you said earlier, and I feel like I use this word constantly whenever I talk about this, but it's it's organic, definitely. Um, like, say when Alex joined, well, he had his first gig with us within about a month, so he had to learn the existing songs. Uh, oh, wow. Blind Eye, say the third track was written, I think, in our first couple of practices, like the bones of it. Um, probably a little bit of okay. Alex having a few riffs or ideas resonating around in his head and everything being new to us, I suppose. Um, some, some songs like that just came together in a couple of jams. Same with Miles Away. Like That was one where I walked. I think I was late for practices. I tend to be sometimes. And uh, <laughs> when I got there, like a good few of the riffs were already arranged and I just happened to have a riff that slotted in a place. But like again, very organic. That was just... Evan and Alex jamming together in the room. Force of Habit's an older song from, I think we played at our first gig. Um, and, you know, a lot of mutual input in that song. I wrote a few riffs. Evan, our drummer, wrote a riff. Um, so I suppose we kind of, Alex does, I suppose, the lion's share of the guitar writing, but we're open to each other's suggestions, but we're getting better definitely again as well. Um, thematically, I try not to overthink it. Sometimes if I feel a riff's very abrasive or very... Um, I suppose, um, awkward, I suppose, the best way to put it, like say, mathy in the kind of ways I like, sometimes I just feel the need to balance yeah. it with a bit of melody. And sometimes we know when to just lock up all the rhythmic things to make a bit of chaos, you know, but it's just, if it sounds good to us, <laughs> because we never agree on anything, then it's probably good to us at least, you know. <laughs> never agree on it, it's probably good. <laughs> never heard yeah. anybody say that. <laughs> good way to look at it though. <laughs> But they do like the, like, uh, the, the, it is one of those things where you're kind of listening to and you're kind of melody and then it just, you get these striking notes in on it too. It's like a very, uh, it's kind of a cliche, but it is a very abrasive record to listen to. Um, <laughs> like I love it. I've been cycling to it all week. All, well, no, ever since I bought it. Um, love the album. Uh, I genuinely can't stop saying the good things about it, but I, I kind of don't, <laughs> I, ha I get very awkward when I'm talking to bands with I like, because I'll drone on about how much I like the thing. Uh, so... <laughs> We'll move on to the next question. We beat ourselves um, up and maybe it's maybe we need to reassure us. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, you you wouldn't want to be around me drunk in a pub. I will burn your ear. <laughs> 
it has happened too many times before. Um, and I was, you got uh, Aidan Cunningham now. He's, how many times have you worked with him? Because he produced this EP, but did he do the last two singles as well? Or was it the last three? Like, did he do the so very first far, single too? Everything Worn Out has done, uh, he's done. Everything. Just, um, I'd known him through previous bands um, and oh, just right, okay. always wanted to work with him. I think we got him to master yeah. previous bands, like live single, but like the influences or at least where we're trying to go with it. So that takes a lot of the guesswork of you get a great track in studio and then the um, mm. mix comes back and you're, you know, surprised, I suppose, uh, whether for good or bad. But yeah, he's working everything <laughs> and he's just very easy to work with. Just, you know, it's that cliche fifth member thing I suppose for those few days yeah, yeah, yeah but the fifth member has to do all of the work and put up with our bullshit <laughs> and, and would you be banned would you be comfortable recording now or like because I know there's certain bands that do not like it at all and then some bands who just love being in the studio um that's a good one I suppose I've been burned in the past personally by like experiences where EPs and albums can go to die there you pump a lot of money in you can get your takes down and it just never comes out kind of never yeah. makes it past the mix or certain processes. Um, so I can be a little bit wary of the experience um, just because the entire planning of it, even down to accommodation, moving gear, all of that just can be a, just a time and energy suck. We're experiencing off this stage, yeah. I'd say the likes Evan will practice before he goes in and always nails his parts, which gives you more time to kind of focus on sounds. Alex is very experienced recording that, say him and myself, um, We'll demo our own stuff in advance. So say we'll okay. make sure everything sounds somewhat good. He's very good at say even just getting drum ideas across um, if he's programming things and then Evan will show him what he's playing. Um, just, you know, there's a good back and forth there just to make sure the ideas are all there. And that lets me link yeah. up my bass then better to the drums. But we're getting better at it, I suppose. Um, Xander, like he's just a lion in the studio. He'll pump out an entire EP. Like he did the entire EP in a, matter of I'd say two or three hours and it's just stamina what? like his yeah Jesus his Christ throat. holy shit one or two his poor throat <laughs> that's the thing but like he'd walk out of there afterward and he's just grand like he's just you know I think he's he's. It, it's a strange one because like in previous EPs he'd kind of talk about you know maybe not like say it took him a while to maybe realise what he wanted in his sound um, yeah and sometimes when you over process vocals I suppose it might not even be over-processed, but to him it is. He just wants a very raw live take, so you don't really have to worry too much about getting it perfect in there. He'll worry about getting the emotion into the take, and mm. that's generally perfect anyway, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, because you do hear, like, you do kind of get the sense of, like, um, like even hearing, like, the, like, him and breathing in and stuff, like, it is very, uh, you kind of feel that they're with him almost when he's doing it. It's a very real vocal, like, it's all, like, it's, it's yeah. class. Well, that's all I can notice. I'm just praising him, really. Like, um, like, yeah, he's just incredible in the studio just for getting the takes down. But, you know, as, once it's as raw as possible and it actually feels like his take when he's hearing it back, he's generally happy. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we all know how over-processed these vocals can get as well, where it starts oh. to feel like something completely different. Like, the, the energy and the emotion's completely gone, you know? Yeah, no, I get what you mean. Like even, um, what was it? There's a friend of mine, um, like he's, he quite likes his metal as well, but he will say, occasionally will send me these bands and you can just hear like how pristinely clear the vocal is. Like there's no kind of grit to it almost. Like it's being 
put through a computer thing constantly. Yeah. And I, 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 I can't listen to it. I don't know why. It's just what I was like, I need that, that grittiness and that rawness in the vocal for me when it comes to that type of music to actually kind of click with it. I need yeah. it in a lot of stuff, but like the particularly, I hate hearing squeaky clean processed vocals. Yeah, it's. It's just. I suppose it, it's definitely genre specific. It's just the style of heavy music. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. are just very. They sound like they're recorded in some Cold War bunker, you know, kind of way. But um, <laughs> yeah. I do think there's a place for experimenting too. It's just, I suppose, for this particular band so far, it hasn't suited the songs, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, that like I, I did meant for like specific. That it does work for specifically for stuff. But yeah, no, I just find like you kind of need that. Um, punchiness I guess is what the way I yeah. describe it like the compression I suppose and this, the thing is I do find with heavy bands you try to imagine the band live and it's hard to imagine mm. certain bands live at all or else you do see them live and it's definitely not what you paid for you know uh, yeah <laughs> I had a rude awakening at download for a lot of bands that I really liked and then saw them live and I was just like oh this is a very different type of show <laughs> uh, to the one yeah. that I pictured in my head <laughs> yeah uh, I, just, I, I, I saw a call Pardon? It's just festivals can be difficult with um, live bands as well, like outdoor festivals. Like sometimes I just find it weird even having daylight with corpse paint for some bands, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, I I remember seeing, I think, um, yeah, I've seen a black metal band during the day and it does, it's definitely a sight because they still have the flames and stuff and you're just like, this set list and this set was definitely designed to be at night, like nighttime, but they're on at three o'clock during the day. Kids are still going around. <laughs> There's cake and it's like that. I don't know if pretty you... much running around the stage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember, uh, what was it? Uh, there's a Mayhem set at, I think it is a Wacken, Wacken Festival, I think, but it's during the day and they come out with like, you know, with the pig heads and the blood and stuff. I was like, this looks weird during the day. <laughs> it's a yeah. very strange. It's like a crime going down really in a shopping center or something. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we stole something from a butcher's. Or a deli. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they just went in and just was like, pig's head, we need it now. But um, what was that? I remember actually, the, speaking of that, like, um, what was the band that got banned? There was a band in uh, in New York, I think it was Marduk, that got banned for, during just one of their sets, they just decided just to cover the entire crowd in a big uh, bucket of blood. Didn't warn anybody. <laughs> Had to be shut down for health and safety things. It's a very, black metal is a very strange, uh, some of the gigs are, can be very strange. But uh, <laughs> speaking of strange, um, there was a comment about a pinball machine uh, on one of the posts on Facebook that I noticed. That's in, would you mind elaborating on that? Because I think I know what it is. I think yeah. I know where it is in the in the in the EP. Yeah. Um, so that was <laughs> pretty sure that was Evan. Like I, I think it was Evan was saying for a while he was dying to get that in. Just just this pinball machine in our practice space in a. Uh, Blackpool, basically, in Cork. And um, mm. it's just one of those things, if somebody knocks off at us next to the can machine, it's just going off for the next hour. And it's, it grills into your head, say, oh. if you're waiting to load out beer. <laughs> you never think to just plug the fucker out, you know? But, um, <laughs> yeah, you're there for the entire set, and you're pretty much having to play section, and, you know, if the song's somewhat new, and it's like, okay, how did that section go again? Because you've got the stage lights in your face, and you're trying to, you know, be somewhat entertaining yeah, while you're yeah. playing. And all you can picture is that pinball machine, the rhythm from that. It's like <laughs> properly like that. It's distracting, you know? Yeah. Um, so Evan was like, just, we need to find a way of getting that in. Uh, so I'd, for the EP, basically, I'd, um, just before we were recording, somebody 
took the liberty of nearly cutting my finger off uh, in a work, not even a work accident. I was helping out an old job. Um, oh. So I ended up having to get my tendons reattached. So oh, I ended up, <laughs> so pretty much got the finger attached. To this. Yeah, I had to track the EP with like three fingers afterwards um, at home, like say, and just send it up to Aiden and to Nicklin. But that was, I suppose, just my little project. And I was just get that recorded and just kind of sounding right and into the EP at the, at the end. It was at the end of Blind Eye, basically, a bit of a pinball machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Evan's dream was realized, I'm pretty <laughs> sure we had it. A few core bands have said it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah just, I just thought... <laughs> it was, it's just, it was all one of these covers for uh, the, the announcement, I think, and then, no, the, on the release day, and then just all I saw was just, uh, and that pinball machine and a wiki face. I was like, what the hell is that about? <laughs> But um, what's actually, what's your favorite track off the album? Do you have a personal favorite or is it too early to say? It does switch around, like say live, there's something about Miles Away when it kicks in that seems very tight and cohesive. Mm. Um, like say Force of Habit was one I probably had the most, I suppose, influence in writing. So it should be my favorite. Maybe it is, depends on the day. Um, it's probably my favorite for guitar, <laughs> I suppose. And then... Um, Blind Eye, I think, is actually my favorite just based on the fact that, say, before Alex joined and with our previous guitarists having left, like, it's very hard to find band members, especially people that can commit and you get along with and yeah. you can write with. Um, so I was pretty sure the band was gone. And then within two jams of him coming in, we pretty much have this song where at the time that was essentially the vibe I wanted to go down. And I got to get cut a bit looser as well on bass on it. So like, and I think it's got a nice, I suppose, an interesting melody, like kind of a hook factor, I suppose, which I like. And like yeah. a lot of my heavy bands, it's having that one track with something where it's a little bit more chorusy. Um, so that's probably my favorite. The rest of the band would tell you Waste. Um, that was one I actually kind of, I wouldn't say fought against, but the song was made almost <laughs> in a, a blacksmith style way. You know, it's like we had to almost beat the song into submission and see what works. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> um, it, it wasn't as easy a process as the others. And we ended up almost essentially going back to the original idea. Like say, you know, something that was a previous iteration of the song. That's what we settled on after okay. trying a few more ideas. But the guys eventually just got me to, to relax and stop <laughs> questioning it. And that's their favorite song now. And I've definitely come around to it. It's got definitely a more abrasive energy than the rest of the EP. Yeah, the the music video for for waste was fantastic as well. Uh, who was that by Black um, Moth Cauldron? Was it or sorry, uh, butcher the name? Cherry of oh, Black Moth. Um, oh, yeah. Cherry Black Moth. Sorry. Really. Yeah, it was a fantastic, fantastic music video. Yeah, really, really. Um, like his work's amazing. Say so he's got a YouTube channel where it's just like he's got a style, and his style just very much suits a lot of bands. Um, I'd first heard him through his work with God as an Astronaut, but where we kind of agreed to. To go to him was well we said we'd just do a second video um disagreed waste was probably the track for it and then alex had commissioned a previous i don't know like if you even call it a video sometimes it's a piece it's almost just commissioning a piece of his work to go with your video um you just pretty much send him the track and the video comes back almost as is you know it's just like we we didn't really want any i can't remember if we wanted any changes or not um but yeah, Alex had gotten commissioned him just for a side project he'd done during lockdown called Abysm, kind of a sludge metal um, uh, thing. So basically, we kind of knew how to get get through to him and what he's get like to work him, with. Yeah. So that was very easy. Uh, but I'd say he was just a few quick emails and it was just in our laps, you know. 
but it came out great. I think, um, <laughs> She's very, yeah. I think he nailed the the kind of matching, I suppose, the theme of the artwork as well. I think there's a nice kind of interplay between both. Um, yeah. Whether accidental or not, you know. Yeah, actually, speaking of the artwork, he got um, James Sheridan to do it, who I quite, I have to say, love his work as well. When when you go in, do you kind of like, do you pick, did you pick on an idea for the artwork or did you kind of just let him, uh, just give him the title and then just let him run free? He was very much free reign as well. Yeah. Because yeah, it is like, a very, like, we, uh, it's extremely striking album cover, uh, EP cover. Yeah. Oh, no, we're really happy with that. Like, um, you know, it's one of those bits of artwork where you, like, we can't really take credit. It's not like we made it. It just really well suits mm. it, I suppose. Um, but it kind of almost waits you want to up your game, like have a better EP to match the artwork, if you get me. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah, we've just been big fans of his work beforehand anyway and heard great things about him. Um, I think he'd, mm. well, he'd worked on a few kind of bands that we're friends with and kind of were adjacent to as well, their work. Um, so yeah, he was just the man for the job straight away. Like we knew his style would be perfect for it. We just didn't know what the piece was yet. And, uh, he sent us a few things like, um, not too many. I think he sent us basically two or three different ideas. And we kind of just said, this is class, like, you know, really love it. Uh, probably works for a poster, but I suppose the whole band didn't quite agree on it just for the actual EP. And then just the actual piece for this, he just sent it back within a few days after that. And I was just like, yep, that's it. The entire band was straight away. Like. I'll be so annoyed if somebody in the band says no to it just because, <laughs> you know, you don't have to put the foot down too often. Yeah. It's one of the things that's like, I'll, I'd kill a band member if they were to say no to that. Like, <laughs> But he does have, he has that like aesthetic where like, I mean, I like, I'm a designer myself. And when I saw it, I was just like, how the fuck does he do that? <laughs> like, I have no idea how he goes about making it, but it's just immediately very striking. And it did, it really yeah. complimented the EP as well. Um, so, uh, like, oh, have you actually, I know you had, you had a gig in Belfast where you got to show off the songs. Like when's the, when's the next gig now that you, is it in the one in Limerick, is it? Uh, yeah. So it's an interesting, like say, when does this go out actually? Like say, would it be? This will be out on, it'll be out next Wednesday is the plan to get it out on Wednesday. Cool. Yeah. That decides how much I'm allowed to say in some places. Um, <laughs> so, I suppose... Because, uh, yeah, I'm basically that guy where I almost have to kind of like make sure I don't read the dates of gigs before I go if I'm on this, just so I don't say something. I yeah, should. okay, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I suppose, yeah, like lockdown kind of threw us for six. Like, we had a few gigs booked, um, and Evan had been kind of slaving away throughout lockdown, kind of getting a start in a promotions company for himself. Um, Dead Cold is called, like, say, he'll be announcing things shortly, and he's had to basically reschedule a lot of his work already. Um, but you know, we're coming out the other side of it now, so we'll have more to say there yeah. soon. But yeah, we booked a good few gigs. They all got, as you know, rescheduled, rearranged. I think we were originally trying to get four dates going and it ended up just being Belfast that survived from those four. Um, oh, wow. Really class night. Like, we really enjoyed it and just, you know, just any form, we'd take any form of gig at this stage. Um, our next gig is in Limerick. It was meant to be this Saturday, so I suppose last Saturday to anybody watching that Wednesday now. Yeah. I'll make it confusing. <laughs> um, or it'll be in a job editing. Um, but then one of us got COVID, so just literally it's like COVID's last little dig at us, you know, just to... That's so unfortunate at the timing of that. Well, we got really lucky, like the Bad Rep guys, like Bad Reputation, the guys who run CG Limerick, um, rather than just having to cancel, like cancel, 
they've put it onto this, what would be this coming Saturday. So I think it's, I'll check my calendar now so I don't say the wrong February date. 5th, I think, is the date. Yeah, it's a Saturday anyway, um, which, again, I just made sure I wasn't reading too many dates coming, so but I'm not going to do it wrong. <laughs> it's February 5th, yeah, uh, in Dolan's, so in Limerick. Um, so we, we were lucky now to reschedule because a lot, like say, these guys pulled strings and they've been working tirelessly for a lockdown to even get anything going. So the fact we're able to reschedule for a week later, like we couldn't have been luckier, you know. No, it's definitely class. Um, I'd fucking love to go to it as well if I could drive. Um, the uh, 27 still don't know how to drive but anyway uh, <laughs> the so these this is the part of the, the uh, kind of interview per, uh, where I kind of just ask you just a bunch of random questions um, that I would probably ask you if I was in a pub with you so the first one would be what was the first and last albums you ever bought first and last so I think first was like um, now 38 uh, you know now that's what I call music yeah, yeah, I'm sure yeah. I got given some like awful like Man United CDs or tapes with like you know <laughs> Duncan Edwards and Bobby Charlton singing some United song or something. But like it was like Now 38 had Chumba Wumba tub thumping on it. Uh, had some form of Spice Girl, I'm really sure. Uh, but also had like Radiohead, Karma Police. Uh, big fan of them. Oh, uh, yeah. Surprising yeah. that that's on a Now album because it's all dance hits now when you go onto it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's weird to see Radiohead on it. I may check out Now 38 actually again, remember what's on it. I definitely remember Radiohead <laughs> being on it anyway. But like Chumbo Chumbo Tom Thumping is track one anyway. Um Okay. And then most recent I got, like say, I got a lot more just into I suppose collecting vinyl during lockdown. So just a few gaps in the um in the collection. So the last new album I got would have been Every Time I Die Radical. Um great oh, news wow, with them. Yeah. But I suppose they went out in a high. Oh. Uh, yeah. The most recent album I got in was just uh, filling in somewhere along the highway by Cult of Luna. Um, it's an album I've been after for ages and just found one come up in Discogs and needed to have it. So, you know, jumped on that. Yeah, Cult of Luna are a fantastic band as well. The Every Time I Die thing, I saw that the other day and I was like, God damn, I never got to see them live. It was raging, like never got to see it. Well, I'm sure they'll go off and do another project, but yeah, they said they're pretty much done. But um and so uh let's see what's the next question here uh what do you think is the biggest misconception about metal uh people in the metal community uh oh sorry um what is the biggest misconception about metal that people have that don't listen to it do you think definitely i suppose when you look at the outside looking in thing because you know you'd see people walking past shows and like i've had situations where you sound check and clear out a bar and they think there's some kind of freak show going on you know but it's the fact that, like, say, I've had, I've worked in, you know, places with clientele that know how to take care of themselves, I put it that way. And they almost yeah. seem intimidated by some metalheads coming in just because they think maybe there's a lot of anger or a lot of kind of bad juju or bad thoughts behind metal. Um, or they read into lyrics literally. So they kind of don't realize maybe it's catharsis or something they think, like, oh, this guy's, you know going to yeah, basically yeah. form some kind of like public act of aggression. Um, but yeah, <laughs> a lot of the metalheads you meet are just the most chill, level-headed, well-adjusted people you'll, you'll meet just because I suppose they do have that bit of an outlet. You know, gent- like the amount of gentle giants I'd know in metal where it's like that guy would rip your head off, you know, but then you talk to them and they've even got a squeaky voice and they're just wearing a, <laughs> you know, a bird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
No, completely agreed. Uh, and uh, if you could collab with anybody, who would it be? Great question. Oh, it's a tough one. Um, I suppose <laughs> just to see how they work, because um, I suppose like I've never been a good enough guitarist to kind of, you know, be the kind of guitarist I want to be in a band. I'd probably feel like I'd embarrass myself in most bands, you know, and I never feel perfectly comfortable at bass either because I always feel like that guitarist that's pretending to be a bassist and I'll get found out soon. So I normally cheat with a few pedals. So anything I suppose where like you can get away with playing guitar and using effects and all that. So maybe um, yeah, yeah. if like Frank ended up dropping out of a Deftones gig, that'd be class. You just play a live gig with oh, Deftones wow. with synth stuff with guitar pedals, that'd be class. Or collaborating with something, if Pams came out again, like getting to play with the Isis guys and Chino Marino would be amazing. Something like that where it's ambient, kind of post-metal mm. influence. And I can play three notes and a load of reverb so no one will cop on shit. Yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> um, and uh, I do love Deftones now, I have to say. Um, have you seen them live before, actually? A couple of times, yeah. I saw them in like 2006 yeah. in The Ambassador in Dublin before they put out um, oh, wow. Saturday Night Wrist. And I was like, I went up alone. None of my mate, all the mates that, was meant, that were meant to go flaked out. So, uh, I was going up to randomers being a complete nerd. Like, I think they played Beware the Water before it had been released. And I think it had been, like, leaked as something you'd get in that Kazaa or one of these sites back then or Bear yeah, Share. Yeah. It was pretty much just going up, like, to strangers. Like, that song's called Beware the Water. It's going to be on their upcoming <laughs> album. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Good thing people didn't see me that, actually. But I'm just out of myself now, anyway. And we, yeah, saw them again in, like, Vicker Street then, um, I think it was 2017, 18, can't remember which. Um, it was after Gore, so, you know, they played like a couple, like that was the only album I can say I didn't like by Deftones, so at least I knew when to go bathroom. Wasn't a fan yeah. Of, yeah, I wasn't a fan of Gore myself now, to be honest. Um, been a big fan of pretty much nearly every release. And Chino Marino, like uh, uh, the, what was that one that he did? The Crosses album, the synth album that he did. Did you ever listen to that? Yeah. Yeah. Some interesting stuff. As well. Yeah, like was it, was some it, of it doesn't connect for me at team all. Sleep. Love Team Sleep. Yeah. Um, even yeah. making adjacent, like say Gil Sharon, any of the stuff with Dillinger Escape Plan or other bands, or Zach Hill, all of his crazy ass bands like Hella and Bygones. Like pretty <laughs> much anyone in that band has had input. I've generally liked a lot of their stuff in general anyway, but yeah, I'd love for him to release another one, but you know, that probably means Deftones will break up just my how the last one went, you know. <laughs> What did, wait, what did, did not, the last one didn't go well, no? No, it's just because um, he kind of fell out with the band and went off doing that instead for a while. Oh, right. And then uh, I think it's yeah. like Hole in the Earth, uh, that single where he's pretty much just talking about, I hate all my friends. They they all act taste <laughs> sometimes because they just didn't want to go off Team Sleep. So apparently there's some big what? wrangling there even with the label and all that. But, oh, wow. Uh, well, I know, uh, I know he... I know he had um for Gore. I think they fought constant. Him and the guitarist, I think, fought constantly in trying to make it because he wanted it to be kind of get shoegazy, and the other one wanted it to be a metal album. So they kind of just back and forth, back and forth. You can kind of hear it on the album as well. Uh, oh, so yeah. uh, let's see. What compromise? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one was happy in the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They just recorded separately without listening to the other person's playing and just played over each other rather than to the song like. <laughs> 
uh, yeah, it just, yeah, no, Gora was one that didn't click with me. I loved the cover of it. That was about it. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, flim- and the yeah. font. Um, yeah. if, and the font, a lovely font, yes. Um, if there was something you could change with the Irish music scene, what would it be? It's a good one. I suppose a lot of people would agree with this. Just there's that Irishness of saying interested or going on Facebook. And it's the same, I'm sure, for you could say that about any scene, but it's just the fact that the Irish music scene is so DIY and so in, like codependent and interrelate, like interdependent. But if you were to look at it in the metal scene, especially in Ireland, there's probably only about 10 venues, I suppose, if you're going to try and make a go of it and get your name out there, that you can be playing, I suppose, consistently to try and get a crowd, which at the end of the day is mm. the reason promoters are going to want to book you a second time. And out of those, then there's only three or four promoters per town. I mean, I keep saying about the bad rep guys, and you have like, you know, a limited amount of people in Dublin because the fact is people aren't out there supporting them. Like they're doing it completely off mm. their own backs. And realistically, there's big risks to it from. I mean, if one thing goes wrong, this isn't something where the Arts Council are really helping out this genre in specific, you know, like they're not exactly getting grants yeah. or much help or assistance compared to other scenes, definitely, or, or Stolberg. And, um, it only takes one or two gigs going badly before you've got bands in your back or a reputation or you're in hole you're whole for money. So mm. yeah, it's just basically be, people being flaky is probably the one thing you'd have to change, or people being more aware of the fact that you have really do need to support your scene, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's a bit like even like simple. um seeing yeah, simple stuff. Yeah. Like even um yeah. it is like you do you there's it's happened a few times now where I've been to a gig in like wherever in Dublin, you'll see these absolutely tremendously heavy, no, like tremendous heavy bands. And then just there's, there's nobody there. It's, it's, it's shocking. Like, and then promotion companies like DME promotions, I think the main ones in Dublin, it's DME. And they're yeah. just the amount of gigs that they put on is insane. The amount of gigs they put on for Dublin is insane. Like on all the amazing talent as well. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, they, we do have the, I'm guilty of the flaky thing myself sometimes saying that I'll be there and then not so much. Not so much now. There was a period yeah. before COVID where I was at a gig nearly every week. <laughs> Look, well, I mean, if everyone that's part of, I suppose, a scene or sees themselves as it, uh, is, is that even like, say, five or 10 gigs a year? It's probably all viable. But you know yourself, the yeah. feeling about, say, you know, a band will respond better to a somewhat full room. There's going to be more energy. It's a better gig for everybody. It means there'll probably yeah. be a bigger, better gig the next week because the promoter's going to get more trust. The venue will trust the genre. But now even, I suppose, post-COVID, a lot of venues are going to be closed and a lot are going to be a lot more risk-averse as well. You know, they're going to be afraid of scaring off some kind of existing clientele if it's heavy music and they'll be kind of... That preconception we talked about earlier with the metalheads, they'll be going, that person's going to be starting fights or ripping things off the wall. You know, yeah. it's just... We kind of need to be out, especially now, just in our droves, just to kind of, I suppose, plant the flag again you know, and kind of definitely support those venues that didn't have, weren't able to open their doors for a couple of years. They're the ones taking the risk now. And if they go under, it's just going to be another press up. It's going to be another, I don't know, yeah. homogenized bar like most towns turn into, you know? Yeah, no, I definitely don't want that uh, for sure. Like even going around Dublin, the amount of places that are open by press up is kind of nuts. But, um, uh, you know, just support your local promoter. <laughs> yeah, and your local bands. Um, it's so I guess uh, a, a post, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm buying the merch and stuff as well. If you really want to get into it, um, so uh, what can people expect from Worn Out for uh, this year? 
this is why I don't read the dates, you see. Um, yeah. So we do have gigs <laughs> coming up in March um, in Dublin. That'll be announced by then. Yeah. And Cork. Um, <laughs> and then we have plans. I suppose we're in the middle of planning getting to the UK. Um, we've been wanting to do it for a long time, getting some form of tour going there. We'll be making some form of announcement, I suppose, just a lot of moving parts there. Um, and yeah. of course, like, I, I'm kind of hoping we're at the other side of it, but I always have to qualify everything with COVID allowing. I mean, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, just basically, we'll gig as much as the landscape allows us to. And we're also back riding now. We've changed, like, say, it still sounds like, I suppose, adjacent to EP, but we've, because the EP is two years old to us now, um, yeah, yeah. we've made a few changes, I suppose, in our sound. We're a little bit more experimental. Um, personally, the song we're working on at the moment is my favorite song we've ever written. I think it's Alex's as well. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, we have a few new songs, basically, to play when we're out live. And, yeah, I suppose we'll make the best That's of it. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will definitely be there. Um, and I say, like, I always tie, this is always the last question of the podcast, is uh, what do you love most about making the art that you make? Simple. I don't know. Uh, it can depend week to week because really, when you're doing it for years and years, it can be a slog some weeks where it's just like it's your day off work and you're dragging yourself into kissing rain. Um, so those weeks you tell yourself, look, it's actually giving you some form of structure in your life because we can all show up to work. Uh, but, you know, it's very easy on the odd weekend to just do nothing and just waste a weekend almost. And then you're back in work. Some weeks it's that. But the real answer, I suppose, is... I suppose, you know, you're just up with, if you're doing it right, you're just up with your mates having a laugh and still trying to get that energy you had when you're like 15 playing in a garage with your mates. And the tunes should hopefully sound much better now and definitely have a get better guitar tone, but just trying to capture that feeling. Just, like, <laughs> just chilling out, writing a few tunes and just trying to enjoy it. And if you're all mutually enjoying it, it means music's probably good, you know. Um, yeah. You know, and there is a craft to it too, and it's, great to see some weeks a little bit of progression or you go through about a writer's block and you think you're awful and you know then you come out the other side of it as well sometimes you just get those little dopamine hits you know when something goes well yeah, yeah, yeah. all right well uh thank you so much man for coming on i think we'll, we'll leave it there um it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you and i really i do really appreciate you coming on it's it's been fantastic i'll let you i'll leave you to enjoy your night and um uh much appreciated it really really was uh, great having you on no, man, it was lovely meeting you. Um, yeah, sure. Like, you too. Definitely come up if we be at a gig or whatever. Uh, you know, we'll get you on stage, see what you're like about. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I'll chat to you later then, I'll, and I'll be de- I'll be for sure at that Dublin gig. Yeah, well, look forward to seeing you, man. All so right. let me come up to us. Uh, yeah, talk to oh, you soon. I will Thanks so much sure. again. All right, see you later. Bye, bye. Later. Bye.